Welcome to the Real Estate Raw Show, hosted by Joe Mendoza. Hi guys, Joe Mendoza here in sunny San Diego. Welcome to my show. Thanks so much for watching, subscribing, and sharing the great words of wisdom on my show. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we have this amazing person, investor from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He has multiple properties. He owns Crestworth Capital. Sterling Chapman, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Joe. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, glad you took the time out of your busy day to be on our show and share the words of wisdom. So let's get started. Ready? Sure. All right. Uh, before real estate, I like to have the audience kind of get to know who my guests are prior to real estate. Tell us about Sterling. Sure. So um, I am, like, I, like you said, I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I moved around growing up a little bit. My dad was in the pipe fabrication business, which kind of follows the oil industry. So um, I, in middle school, I actually lived in Caracas, Venezuela, then Houston, Texas, then Boston, Massachusetts, and came back to um, get my degree in finance from LSU. Did insurance and investments for um, a handful of years in my mid-20s, not knowing what I wanted to be when I grew up, and then um, started in the telecom industry and worked my way up through um, a major telecom company and got my MBA and um, ran a sales sales team over there. And a couple years, <clears throat> a couple years ago, I, I just, I really, you know, wanted to do something entrepreneurial. I really wanted to take more control of my life. Uh, same story you probably hear over and over again. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to trade my time for money for the rest of my life and work till I'm dead. So um, started buying some, some single family rentals and kind of took off from there. So were you doing uh, part-time investing or you were like, no, nah, I'm going all in, quit my career? No, 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 no. Very much. I, I don't, I wouldn't call it part-time because it, it, I feel like I have, I have two full-time jobs. Uh, well, I, 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 I always, always tell my wife I have three full-time jobs. So I, I very much still have my day job um, where I run a sales team and, and I love it and, it and I'm good at it and it, it pays a lot of money. So it doesn't make sense for me to leave that. And then I have my, my small local portfolio, which I've built up to 42 units. It's a collection of, of single family houses and fourplexes and duplexes um, that used to take up like an obnoxious amount of my time. But uh, last year I turned that all over to uh, property management. So now it just takes up a little bit of my time. People think that, you know, a lot of this stuff is not passive regardless of how passive you try and make it i have a property manager that manages it but you know i talk to them three times a day and they want my buying you know they want ask me about this or ask me about that and and then i'm keeping up with the insurances and the banks and the refinances and the accounting and all that so um so then i'm you know i'm doing that with my small local portfolio which i'm i'm concentrating on growing and i kind of do that one bird at a time so you know as I grow it, that's, that's a whole nother project. You know, I get up, I, I got to hunt down a house. I got to get it under contract, close on it, and then manage the construction of the rehab and then manage the financing process to get the money out of it. So that takes up a good bit of time. And then um, I've spent a lot of time over the last year working on the syndication side of my business where we're, we're raising money to buy apartment complexes. Got it. Got it. So you still have your day job and you're doing investing. Uh, that's what it sounds like you're doing. Yeah. Yes, sir. 
Got it. Got it. Now, how are you buying these properties nowadays? Are you doing uh, the traditional go through a broker? Or are you sourcing the deals yourself with yellow letters, bandit signs? How are you sourcing your trans um, your acquisitions? So it's it's evolved over time. I, I, I've never done the traditional like go find it yourself method. Um, and I don't really use brokers a whole lot either. So um, I what I'm doing now for my, my local portfolio is I use wholesalers for everything. So my first couple of houses that I just, they were like off the MLS and I used, I used agents for that. And then I, you know, started burn properties. I bought a bunch of properties, seller finance through some people I just met through networking, but now I exclusively like look for properties through a network of wholesalers that I've, I, I know I've got probably five or six wholesalers that, you know, call me before they send a deal out and, and they know I have cash and can close quickly. So, so I, I generally get the, the first peek at a lot of them in town. That's perfect. Now, before the show started, we kind of joked a little bit how we met about a daisy chain. <laughs> now, um, I kind of think about that when you just said wholesalers, um, yeah. how do you vet these wholesalers out and know they're not daisy chaining the deal that there's so many people in between? Well, I mean, honestly, I don't care how many people are in between. I, I've, I, I don't think I've ever come to a deal where I, I don't know how this wholesalers work it out on the back end, but you know, I, when I see a, a property, I don't care how much anybody else makes on it. If, if I can make what I want to make on it. And I, I've seen so many people's deals fall apart because their egos get involved and they're, they're so concerned about what the guy on the other side of the table is making. And, you know, my last deal I made, it, or I think it was the last one or the second to last one, the, the wholesaler made 15 grand. I mean, he got it under contract the next day, gave it to me, got it under and, and he made 15 grand and a friend of mine said, Oh man, that screw him for making so much money. I was like, dude, I made like 50. What do I care if he made 15 grand, if he wouldn't have found it and given it to me, I wouldn't have made any. So, um, I mean, I, the Daisy chains are, they're discouraging and a, a little confusing, but at the end of the day, like if the numbers work for me and my profit, uh, I don't really care what anybody else got or how many other people got a piece of the pie along the way. I love that, Sterling, because, you know, I, I think that's kind of the scarcity versus abundance mindset. And it sounds like you have the abundance mindset. So good for you. Thank you. Absolutely. Now, uh, do you have some special formulas on acquisition? Uh, do you buy 70% ARV or what's kind of your, uh, your formulas? Yeah. So what I'm looking for now and what I've been looking for for a while is it's, it's pretty simple. So in South Louisiana, we have a lot of flood zones. So they're like my first little piece of criteria is not in a flood zone. I have a bunch of properties that are in flood zones because they were such good deals, but since I don't sell anything and I, I hold everything, you know, that, that flood insurance can quickly deteriorate your cash flow. So it's gotta be a great deal for it to make sense with flood insurance. Um, but I'll typically tell people I like properties that have an ARV between like 130 and 100 and 200,000. I like them with uh, rents over uh, $1,100 and um, 
I like to be all in for 70% of the ARV. Um, now I find that most of the time they'll, I can get a higher ARV than, than they, than they thought. And also, um, I can get, I, can, I do 80% on the cash out. So, um, you know, a lot of times you hear about Burr, you pulling all your money back out, but I, in every circumstance have, have pulled in excess 10 or 20 grand extra out. Nice. Now I'm glad you brought up the Burr, uh, strategy for some of the audience. They've heard that a couple of times. How long are you seasoning the loan before you refinance? Uh, I'm not at all. So, uh, I use small local banks for the cash out and, and it's, it's crap terms, but it, they'll do it day one on title and then I refinance down the road. So, um, I, I have a, a small local bank that, uh, so I buy the house with cash and then it, it'll typically take me about three weeks to rehab it. And I will, I will, when the day I close, I'll send the uh, address to my banker and schedule a, an appraiser to come out there in like three weeks. And if I'm not done with my rehab yet, they'll just do a subject to appraisal. And I can usually get an 80% cash out refinance done within about 30 days of purchasing the property. Um, and, and again, the terms aren't great. It's like, it's like 6% interest, 20 year AM, five year balloon. But so I do that throughout the year. And then at the end of the year, I go to one of these secondary markets and refi everything into like a 30 year fixed. Very nice. Let's take it one more step back. So you're buying all cash. Is it private money, your money, uh, hard money. money? Sorry. It's private money. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. And so you got up to 40 plus doors. Now were all of them one person, a few people. What was kind of your strategy building up to that number? What do you mean were all of them? Ex explain. So some, some investors, fix and flippers, they have this uh, person that's very affluent and liquid. And usually they stick with that one person the whole time. Um, now, mm. during your journey, was it uh, one person, a few, or what was kind of your graduation plan to get up to 40 plus doors? Yeah. So, I mean, I've had, I've had three, I've had multiple projects going at the same time and which requires different investors because I don't have any, I mean, it's not really that, I don't really know any rich people. It's not like I have some rich uncle that's, that's tossing me millions to do this thing. It's uh, it's very much just like kind of piecemeal together from, you know, somebody has 80,000 that I can borrow short term and somebody else has the 50,000 for the rehab that I can borrow short term. So, I mean, I've had five or six um, kind of consistent investors throughout the process of building them all up. Thanks for sharing that Sterling, because there's some of the audience that's one of their biggest hurdle is like, Hey man, I, I don't have any extra money. And if I do, you know, it's very, very little, it's my emergency fund, et cetera, et cetera. Was there any mental roadblocks to like, Hey, start talking to these people. Maybe you could share with the audience. Were there any roadblocks, mental roadblocks that, uh, you know, when you started asking for some help or some extra money that you had to overcome? Yeah. Well, the main thing you have to overcome is that, you know, you're not really asking for help. If you're giving them a good return, they're typically, they're asking you to get in. So I, I can bring it back to the beginning. One thing that I see a lot on, 
on like Facebook and, and these other groups, you know, where you got a million like flood in want to be real estate investors, wholesalers and stuff. Um, they're like, well, I can't find any money, but then you kind of like you scroll through their Facebook page. Like, well, I wouldn't lend this person money either. You know, people don't like focus on building their personal brand or, and if they do, it's like, maybe something they like read in a book last week and thought they'd start today. That's really something that like takes years to develop based off of every interaction you have, like with everybody, like you're the, the it's it, you, you build your brand based on like what people say about you when you're not there. So like years before I ever borrowed money to invest in real estate, I was like labeled a very hard worker and very dependable from like my day job where I was consistently promoted and awarded accolades to where like I was perceived as a very responsible person that could like execute. And, and then I went and started investing in real estate. And the first two houses I bought were not burrs that I'd saved up the down payment and put the down payment and bought these houses and, and, you know, managed them myself for, I want to say six months before I ever borrowed money. And by the time it came to borrow money. It wasn't, it wasn't the first time I found a deal that was like off market that there was a bunch of money to be made and I got it locked up. And I went to a friend of mine who, who flipped houses and had investors already. And I kind of borrowed like his track record. I was like, look, you can get a piece of this pie and we'll use your investors to, 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 to fund the deal. And he said, well, I'm actually of what my investors have right now. I'm like 40 grand short. And so I just went to my brother who had just like lost a bunch of money in a weed stock or something. And I was like, Hey, would you be interested in putting up 40 grand and I'll give you like 30% annualized return on it? And he's like, hell yeah. Like, please take my money, you know? And then when that went well, then like he wanted to do it again because he got his money right back. And then like other people, he would go tell people about how he was making these crazy returns, just lending me money. And then they would call me and say, Hey, can I do that too? So um, I've never really like asked for money. Like the first step was like offering my brother an opportunity to say, Hey, would you be interested in making this kind of returns on the cash that you're not making anything on now? And he would like jumped at the opportunity. And then after that, it was just like other people calling me and saying, Hey, can you do this for me too? So a lot of times, you know, people, and I, I manage a sales team for my corporate job. And people have this weird mental mindset block around sales and around investing to where they, they feel like they're bothering people and they feel like they're asking for help. But um, neither one of those are right. If you're, if, you're, if you're selling a product you believe in or if you're getting your investors a good return on their money, you're helping everybody. You're not asking for help. Um, that's perfect, Sterling. I like how you like, it's more like, hey, I'm adding value to your life. I'm giving you a better return than the bank. So you probably need me than I, I need you. <laughs> so that's, I like that. I like that. Now, you mentioned a little bit about um, the flood zone. Mm -hmm. And California, we have the earthquake zone. And we also now have a lot of fire hazard zones uh, going on. Uh, how does that impact your numbers? How does that impact your insurance? So, I mean, that's the only way it impacts your numbers is through your insurance. But um, so I have a duplex, I have two duplexes. I have three duplexes on the same street and they're all in the flood zone. And um, they 
each one of those duplexes, the rent is, it's like 1150 per unit. And um, so the, the total amount of money it brings in, what does that come out to like $2,300 a building mm -hmm. and the flood insurance on those buildings is like 1700 a year. So you're talking $150 a month, you know, whereas I've got other properties where like, that's all the cash flow I make is $150 a month. So on those particular duplexes, I, I was, I was making like $500 a unit cash flow. So if you take that like 150 out or, you know, take that 150 out, I still got some left, but like a lot of my other deals would not work with that flood insurance that one I got so far below market that it works. But um, I mean, and there's, there's houses out there. I don't have any because I avoid this kind of stuff, but there's houses out there where, I mean, there's $300 a month flood insurance and it's required. It's not like recommended. I mean, you, you can't get a bank loan without it. Um, so, I mean, it, it can be very prohibitive. I mean, yeah, absolutely. If you get a really good deal, and I mean, I have some deals that are seller finance to me, and the seller's like, "Look, I've owned these buildings for thirty years, and they've never had a flood problem. I'll I'll carry the note, and you don't need flood insurance." And I don't have those insured. I don't have flood insurance on those. Now, whether or not that's a, a smart idea or not is debatable. But the the type of material those buildings are made out of and the location they're at and what I think it would cost for me to fix up if they got a couple inches of water. It just doesn't make sense to me to have it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, you got to really, it boils down to the numbers and you got to like, Hey, what's your risk tolerance going yeah. in as well? So that's good. That's good. Now, um, along this journey, are there any major, major lessons you want to share with the audience um, so one of these transactions or something that like you carry in your back pocket all the time, any golden nuggets you want to share with the audience, uh, aside from what you already shared. Yeah. So, um, I would say like things don't ever work out in, in reality, the way they do on a spreadsheet, especially in less desirable neighborhoods. So, you know, a lot of time you hear, you'll hear people talk about like the 1% rule when it comes to rentals versus the the rent to price ratio and then you get into these, some of these really sketchy areas and it's like it's like two percent like it'll rent for two percent of the the price maybe not in california but in south louisiana we got that stuff and you're like oh man i could make tons of money and you look at it on a spreadsheet and you're like the cash flow just looks out of this world well what you don't like what a spreadsheet can't tell you is like those areas have so many hidden costs that, that, you know, your vacancy is going to be astronomically higher. Your property damage is going to be astronomically higher. Your turnover is going to be astronomically higher and it's going to eat up. Not only is it going to eat up all that cash flow, but it's going to eat up all your mental bandwidth, especially if you're trying to manage it yourself to the point where you don't want to do this anymore. And you'll like quit. You know, I've seen people that like, just quit real estate investing because they, they dove into these, these challenging areas and they're like, I just, I don't want to live like that anymore. You know, that was a massive golden nugget, <laughs> Sterling. You tell it like it is. I mean, that's what it's all about is you gotta be, you gotta be very truthful and kind of share that because some people go in blind 
And it's one and done. They have this one transaction that they thought they were going to hit a home run, and then they're done. They're absolutely done. Uh, Sterling, it's been a pleasure to have you on a show. Best way to get a hold of you, anything you're looking to promote? Sure. So um, anybody can reach out to me at uh, sterling at crestworthcapital.com. They can go to my website, um, either sterling. uh, What is my website? Sterling chapman.com or crestworthcapital.com or they can go see our uh, podcast the rent roll radio show thank you so much sterling it was a pleasure to have you on the show very nice meeting you we wish you well awesome thank you so much jeff wow i hope you enjoyed that as much as i did i hope you learned as much as i did or more so guys Look at the comment thread. If you've seen something or heard something, want to learn more about something, please put it on the comment link below. If you're not a subscriber yet, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Go ahead and smash that bell to hear the latest and greatest on the show. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram. I'm putting this channel together to hopefully add incredible value to you. And if you want to learn more about investing, you're new to investing, I highly recommend this book, Flex with a Plex. Also, this book, if you're having some challenges, as you can see, everybody on the show had some kind of adversity, including yours truly. So I shared a lot of that on Make It a Comeback, giving you some incredible tips to make a comeback. So get either one, Flex with a Plex, or Make It a Comeback. If you want to get more tips, go ahead and go to JoeMendoza.com. Again, subscribe, share, like, make a comment below. I really, really appreciate you. Want to add incredible value and wish you all the best in your success in real estate and in life. Take care. Our company is not responsible for the success or failure of your business decisions relating to any information presented by our company or our company programs, products, and or services. 